Uh, if you are here in the auditorium, you're stuck with me. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 5. We're going to talk about suffering uh, this evening. Uh, probably as December kicks in, uh, I am going to start a series on Ezra and Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the temple. Sunday mornings, we're going to do the book of Esther, and I just thought that would be a good companion uh, series to do on uh, uh, along with that uh, on Wednesday nights as well. So Sunday morning, we'll be doing Esther. Uh, on Wednesday night, we'll Sunday night we'll be continuing through Joshua, but on Wednesday night, probably going through Ezra and uh, Nehemiah uh, to try to give you a balanced uh, approach to that. We're going to talk about suffering tonight, next Sunday or next Wednesday night. I'll probably bring a Thanksgiving message. Uh, about what what we're thankful for. I might even give you an opportunity to give some testimonies uh, next Wednesday night. I know a lot of people will be traveling, uh, but we will still be here. James chapter 5, uh, book of James chapter 5. James, Peter, James, I am there. <clears throat> let's, uh, we're going to focus on verses 10 and 11, but let's start at verse 1 and read through the context. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and ye shall eat and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last day. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, uh, which is of you kept back by fraud. A cry, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, and been wanton. And ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Now, Brother Oldenburg is talking about lots of, uh, lots of earthquakes going on. Uh, Sunday morning, that day should not take us as a thief. Uh, we should be able to say we are expecting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It could be at any moment and uh, be able to say, uh, be able to look for that. Be watchful. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. And the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And we should be convinced of that. I want to give you a, a Christian perspective on suffering. And I'll tell you a little bit about what prompted that uh, this evening as well. Let's pray. Father, I pray you help me be a blessing to your people. Uh, they have come on a Wednesday night. They want to hear from you. They want to hear from your word. And uh, suffering is a part of life. The world talks about getting back to normal. The normal you intended for us was in the Garden of Eden. No sickness, no death, no sin. But the world has not been normal since Adam and Eve took that fruit. 
and plunged us into wickedness. But Father, we look forward to that day when you return and uh, put, put this all to rest. And until that day, uh, we understand that uh, suffering is going to take place, that sin has, uh, that's the result. And uh, we love you and we know that you love us. And uh, you don't need to show us anything uh, more than what you already did on Calvary's cross. Uh, you died to pay my sin debt. And I thank you for that. And pray tonight that we'd be encouraged uh, to endure uh, suffering and uh, realize uh, that we are not alone in that. And we'll praise you for what you do this evening. It is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Found the news this week caught my attention. An athlete suffered an injury. Achilles tendon rupture. Uh, anybody in here besides me had an Achilles tendon rupture? Uh, Sunday night after church, I was 39 years of age. Uh, Greg Parsons, uh, he hurt me. It was all his fault. Uh, it wasn't his fault at all. He was, on the, I think, on the opposite team. And I, I, leaked, I lurched out, uh, which is, I'm sure, what the, this gal did. And it, I heard a pop behind me, and it felt like somebody was stepping on my foot. And I said, what? why are you guys behind me stepping on my foot? And I looked behind me, and there was nobody there. And I knew immediately I had ruptured my Achilles tendon. Uh, Greg Parsons, in loving sympathy, looked over at me in the parking lot. And he said, what's the matter? I said, I have ruptured my Achilles tendon. And he said, you're hosed for life. I still remember that. You are hosed for life. Uh, that, was, that, was his re- that was his encouraging response uh, to me. Uh, so uh, we got my, uh, they drove the car over. They got me up. Uh, we were uh, we were in the process of moving uh, to to Alexandria here, so we were in a in a townhouse over in uh, the Kingstown area, and I remember uh, being there in in bed and calling. Uh, we had uh, calling a healthcare provider and saying, "Hey, I've ruptured my Achilles tendon. What do I do next?" And the lady said, um, "Have you been to the emergency room?" And I said, "No, no, I haven't been to emergency room." She said. Well, why not? And I said, why? And she said, well, because you ruptured your Achilles tendon. I said, what are they going to tell me? Go home and take two aspirin and call the doctor in the morning, right? And she said, yeah, probably. And I said, well, that's going to cost me $1,000. How about we just skip that step? I keep the $1,000 and I just call the doctor in the morning. And the, and the vice nurse said, well, yeah, yeah, I guess you could do that. And I said, okay, well, that's what I'll do. And, and that's what I did. So this girl, uh, she's not alone. She's not the only one that suffered an Achilles tendon injury. Uh, but this is what she said. My Achilles tendon injury on the last game of my career is proof there is no God. Now, wait a minute. You have had a storied career. Uh, you have received awards. You've received Olympic medals. You've, re- you've uh, uh, won on the world stage. You've had blessings in your life that I will never achieve. Uh, because I'm not talented in that regard at all whatsoever. <clears throat> uh, but now, because you've had an injury, uh, that is proof there is no God. That is the world's approach to suffering. If anything bad happens to me, that's just proof there is no God, right? But that's not the Christian's approach to suffering. At least it shouldn't be. 
Romans 2.4 says this, Or despisest thou, and I thought of this verse as I read that article, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? All this good, all these successes you've had in life should cause you to run to the Lord and say thank you? But she hadn't done that. She didn't. But we should. Should we not? Uh, No. And it definitely did not lead her to repentance. It, It led her to more hatred of God. Now, for the Christian, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it, it doesn't mean that it's going to be, whoopee, I'm so glad I'm suffering and I hurt. <laughs> you don't have to say that. Hebrews 12, 11 says, Now no chastening for the moment seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 says this, in our suffering, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Christ tasted death for me so that I don't have to die for all eternity in a place called hell. And so I say to people, what does it take to impress you? Christ died for you. He took your place on Calvary's cross. What does a guy have to do to impress you to gain your appreciation? Interesting. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. And it is important to remember that when Christ was before Pilate, he could have stopped the process right then and said, you know what? I am not going to the cross. I'm not going to do it. I am not going to pay for the sins of men. He could have done that. And we sing the song. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. And Pilate marveled. That here's a guy that he is going to put to death. And he has the power to put to death. And he's not coming to his defense. He's not. He's standing there. Taking it. Do you not know that I have the power to put you to death? You could have no power except it were given you from above. And Pilate was fearful. And sought the more to release him. What a powerful statement. But Christ suffered for me. Paid the penalty of my sin on Calvary's cross. There are many types of suffering. 
There are as many types as there are people. It's important for you to remember that you, in suffering, are going to experience suffering like no one else. You hear me, those of you that try to give comfort to others who are going through suffering, you do not know what they are going through, even though you may have gone through something similar. It is offensive to a person who is going through suffering to hear you say, I know what you're going through. You don't know what you're going through because you are not them. And there are as many types of suffering as they are people. I will endure suffering totally different from you because I figured it out. I am totally different from you. My days are going to be different than your days. My times are going to be different. Uh, but every, as again, as many types as there are people, there are types of suffering. That's important to remember. And I, and I remind people of that. Um, a police department will call me out and they'll, uh, I'll meet with a the family. Uh, they've lost a loved one, maybe suicide, maybe homicide. And I'll sit down with them and I'll say to them, you're going to experience some things that nobody else is going to understand. You're going to go through a period of grief that nobody else is going to understand because they are not you. You are not going crazy. You are not losing your mind. You are, that's, God made you a unique person. And you should not try to figure out, am I responding right? Because I'm not responding like Ray did. Well, hello, you're not Ray. Well, I'm not responding like Paul Searles. Well, because you're not Paul. And we are thankful there's only one Paul. <laughs> you're different and you are going to respond to that in your own unique way because you are a unique being you are but there are uh there are there are mental uh, ang- there's mental anguish and suffering uh, there's physical anguish and suffering there's emotional anguish and suffering there is a, the spiritual aspect in suffering that we have talked about and read about from the passages from God's Word. And as you're going through suffering, tonight, it might be a spiritual battle. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., it's probably going to be a physical one (laughs) and a spiritual one. So you might have a one type at one time. And you might have all four types at the same time and feel like you're getting run over by a steamroller. Uh, Again, Satan wants to isolate you to think you're the only one that is suffering in this way, in this fashion. No one else has suffered like you have suffered. Uh, He wants to isolate you and think that nobody else has a problem in the world. I I took a phone call from a lady, not not a lady that goes here to church. Uh, She called uh, the 1-800-DIAL-A-PRAYER number, the church phone, and I took her call, and I prayed with her over the phone, and she said, you, you can't really understand what I'm going through because you've never had a problem in your life. <laughs> when somebody says that, you just want to laugh. You want to laugh, but that would be offensive to them. So, uh, trust me, uh, uh, ma'am, I have experienced suffering in my lifetime. I have. Now, my suffering uh, pales in comparison to the suffering of others. At least I think so. <clears throat> but the Apostle Paul uh, said this. <clears throat> Here's Apostle Paul. Not, not this Paul. Paul in the Bible, Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He, 
And now here's a guy that God has used to write the vast majority of the New Testament. You say, Paul doesn't have a problem in the world. Here's how Paul describes his life. We are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed. But not in despair. Persecuted. But not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I I did some reflection. It's not, it is not positive uh, mental health uh, to do this. But I spent some time uh, today thinking, trying to list all the problems I've had in life. And you think about that long enough, you're going to be depressed. And so I try, not, I try not to spend a lot of time in that room of my life. <clears throat> but uh, I've, I've got a room. And there, there are lots of, there are lots, there's lots of things in there. Uh, people say, uh, you're a grandfather? I am. I've, uh, how, how many grandchildren do you have? And I always tell them, uh, I have uh, four and I have two in heaven. And they look at you like, ooh, two in heaven. You've been in the graveside of a little baby. I have. I have. Uh, every morning when I get up, it's on, I have the, uh, the picture on my dresser, a little baby Reagan, in my arms. She's dead. The only picture I have of her and me together. That, that wasn't a good time. But again, I look at my suffering and think, um, in, in compared to others, uh, really, really nothing. Why, why is that? And so I came with this truth. And, and that's what Paul is saying. Because when I go through suffering, I compare it to what Christ went through on the cross. And compared to what Christ went through on the cross, I really don't have. I really not suffered at all whatsoever. I really haven't. Painful. Oh, yeah, absolutely painful. Uh, this week was a four-year anniversary of Reagan in heaven. And I sent Daniel a note. And I sent Kelly a note and said, hey, just want to let you know, I'm praying for you guys today. That's all I said. Be encouraged. Praying for you today. That's important. At the time, I said, uh, uh, Caitlin, Caitlin was fussing at me. Where's Caitlin? She in the room? Right, pick on Caitlin. Caitlin was fussing at me. This is what she said. She said, Daniel needs you. Daniel needs you right now. And I said, I can't help him. Can't help him. Why? Because I hurt him. I hurt myself. Uh, Daniel's pastor came up and said to me, uh, we want you to, I, I want you uh, to, to lead in prayer in the room after, hell, my grandbaby. He said, I want you to pray. I said, I can't pray. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't. Couldn't pray. He said, I want you to preach. I said, I can't. Why don't you preach a funeral? I said, I'm not. <laughs> You're the pastor. This is your church member. This is what you get paid for. You do it. He said, no, I think you'd be the perfect one. I said, I'm, gonna, I'm the grandfather. I said, I'm going to sit down in that pew and I'm going to cry with grandma. I'm going to hold her hand. We're going to cry. Uh, we sorrow. But how, how, how do you get through that? Again, looking back in reflection, just comparing that to what? They took nails and drove them through his hands. 
And, and here's the thing that gets me. He let them. They took a crown of thorns and forced it on his head. And he let them. And I ruptured my Achilles tendon playing basketball with Brother Parsons. It's just really hard to compare the two together. Isn't it? I mean, when you, when you do that comparison, it's like, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't much. It really wasn't. And I compare my suffering with what uh, Mr. and Mrs. Taverner are going through with cancer. I really haven't, I really don't have a problem in the world. Really. Suffering types. Suffering saints. So if, if you take the prayer list we have in the back and go down the right-hand side. So on the left-hand side is friends that we're praying for. On the right-hand side are the, uh, the church family. You go down that list. And they are some of the most precious people on the face of this earth. And they are suffering. Every one of them. There's, there's, there's cancer and there's hurt. And Mrs. Booth has chronic back pain. And Mary's waiting for a transplant. And Mr. Oldenburg has lost his wife. And Mrs. And, and the Ballards would say, Dale is at home. And he's struggling. And Barb is, needs surgery. They're going to put that off. And Daisy has had surgery just recently. And Brother Corey has to put up with Ruth. Ruth lost her dad. And you look at Ruth and say, Ruth doesn't have a problem in the world. Every one of us. Again, Satan wants to isolate you. He wants you to think nobody else has problems. But I guarantee you, everybody in this room has a problem, has a struggle, has a loss. You just don't know about them. Satan doesn't want you to know about them. Again, on that prayer list, uh, precious saints, friends, soul winners, Bible teachers. Faithful servants of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King Jesus. But why serve if we suffer? Everybody suffers. It's called sin. And it hasn't been normal since the garden. Sin is a big problem. Jesus Christ is the only solution. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. So why do, we, why do you go to church? Galatians chapter 6. Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Have you met those Christians yet? Well, I never suffer. Liar, liar, pants on fire. There's no temptation taken me, but such as is common to you. That's what God's Word tells me. If you tell me you've never had a problem in the world, I know you are a big, fat, untruthful person. And so what do we do at church? We bear one another's burdens. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, pastor, but being examples to the flock. Hey, God loves you. I'm praying for you. Uh, a typically, a text from me is going to say, I prayed for you today. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. 
I don't want to be like Job's friend saying, you're going through suffering because you're a bad Christian. Uh, because then you'd have to look at me and say, you're going through suffering because you're a bad Christian. And you'd be right to lend, render that judgment. But it's just not true. Suffering is a part of life. How many of you have had a cavity? Wow. Wow. I won't say how many of you have had more than one. I can feel mine. <laughs> it was an earth-shattering day for me when I was 24 years of age. Went to the dentist, and the dentist's lady dentist in Centerville, maybe 25. She said, do you plan on keeping these teeth till you're 30? Plan on keeping these teeth my whole life. Well, you might want to make some changes in your life then. It's like, wow, you know what? I, 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 I had an earth-changing moment. I started taking care of my teeth better. And I was thankful that uh, she slapped me around a, a little bit. <clears throat> but what, what is tooth decay? Sin. It's just, just sin. Uh, it's decay. This body is falling apart. <laughs> Someone said to me just recently, and, and they were my age, a pastor, uh, would you pray that I'd, I'd re- my, my body would return back to my youthful normal? And I went, how old are you? I knew how old he was. So he told me. I said, those days are over. I mean, 24 is the hill. After, after 24, I mean, it goes downhill. And you pick up speed as you go. <laughs> it's not going to get better, brother. It's going to get worse and worse. <laughs> Isn't that depressing? <laughs> but, it's, but it's true. But comparison to what Christ did on the cross? Uh, suffering. Suffering. So we come here and we bear one another's burdens, and I hope that you are encouraging to one another. What is suffering? Suffering is training. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look, turn, turn here. This is a great passage. Uh, you should read the whole chapter. Second Corinthians chapter uh, 1. <clears throat> and this is one of those chapters that I found to be helpful in suffering, that I've just marked up. Comfort. God comforts me. God comforts you. Verse verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God's going to help you. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God is never going to leave you nor forsake you. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that uh, <laughs> I look forward to that day, a new heaven and a new earth. I look forward to the trumpet sounding, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord and comfort one another with these words. Comfort. There's that comfort again. Verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, and whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, 
so shall ye be also of the consolation. What do you what do you figure out in suffering? You figure out that God is still there. That God is true. Uh, during COVID, I had back issue, and you couldn't go to the hospital. Uh, they, they, I mean, you could. Uh, I tried to get a doctor's appointment. Uh, two months later, the doctor still didn't call me back because he wasn't going into the office. And I was at home. I, I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't get comfortable. And this bishop came into the room, and this is what I said to her. Is it possible to die from a lack of sleep and pain? Because that's, that's where I was. I mean, it was it was bad. It was bad. I have a picture uh, at home on the wall of me preaching from a chair uh, sitting down front because I couldn't stand up. <laughs> but still, uh, that pales in comparison to what Christ did on the cross. In pain, you discover God's amazing grace. In pain, you learn tenderness. To be able to look at other people in pain and say, Huh, you don't look like you're in pain, but I remember I tried to put on a look like I wasn't in pain. Although I was. So you become tender to other people who are going through difficult circumstances. You learn forbearance. Roland's brother, Roland's brother, Frank's brother, Roland, uh, well, let's just say he's, he was an interesting bird. He really was. Uh, he, he was a bird of a, of a different feather. He just was, he was himself. And when he told me that he was going to take care of his mom and dad both at the same time, I said, really, Roland? I don't think that's going to work very well. Uh, it is difficult to take care of, to be the caregiver for one person. He was going to be the caregiver for both at the same time at home. And I, there, there's no, this guy, this, this guy doesn't have a heart. I mean, kind of, he, he did, but he, he kind of gruff, kind of, Kind of abrupt, uh, kind, of, kind of rough around the edges, if you knew Mr. Rowan. But, man, how long, Mr. Frank? Two years? Probably uh, almost two years that he took care of mom and dad at home. He gave up his life to take care of them. And my admiration of him for going through that, I've never, I've never been through anything like that. And I said to him, uh, Mr. Rowland, I have, a, I, have a, I have a deeper respect for you for what you've done. I could not do what you have done. And this is what he said to me. By God's grace. And there is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We look at people suffering and we say, man, I could never go through that. But when you go through it, God's grace kicks in to enable you to withstand under the pressure. And when you look back and people say, wow, you are an amazing person. You know you're not amazing. You are just as frail. You had bad days. You had darkness. Uh, but how in the world did you make it through? God's grace. God's grace. What is suffering like? I liken suffer, I liken suffer to a combat zone, a battle. 
And sometimes in the battle, as Job will tell you, you take on friendly fire. Sometimes the worst wounds are from those who say they're your best friend. Job, what's the matter with you, Job? What sin is in your life? What you got going on? What's from God? Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't don't, don't lie at me. <laughs> I gave Job a hard time. Chapter after chapter after chapter, endless debate. I would have I would have put my hand up and said, "Talk to the hand, please. Go away." But no, Job. Job kept talking to him. Kept listening to him. Yeah, I would have called him a nuclear strike. Job's wife. Curse God and die. Listen, you can be one of those Christians. Curse God and die. Or you can be a Job. Naked came out of my mother's womb. Chapter 1, verse 21, 22. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Suffering? An athletic injury is proof there is no God? Seriously? It is trivial trivial in comparison. In comparison to what? The sufferings of an eternal hellfire. The end of every person who rejects God's salvation. Suffering is actually the gift of God. Because suffering causes us to stop and consider God. Because we certainly don't do it when we're on top of the world. She didn't. It causes us to stop and consider Christ. Without suffering, we would be insufferable. Entitled brats. Without any appreciation for who gave us that talent or ability to serve the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word and just uh, some random thoughts this evening about suffering. And I know everybody in the room is affected by this, every single one. And I know uh, probably everybody in the room thinks they're the only one going through a particular level of suffering. I pray that they'd realize they are not alone and uh, that their physical, emotional responses are going to be different from anyone else's. I pray that you'd give them grace in the trial and that they'd be able to say uh, to others, "I, I believe God. And which would cause the world to say, how can you believe in a God that lets you hurt and you can say, because he hurt on Calvary's cross for me. And they are a light so shine before men that they see you. And will praise you for their salvation. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.